Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Oh, great choice, Ben. Great choice. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Great to have you with us here, Patrick Johnson. That's the uh, one and only Ben Byram across the way. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. Uh, Your boy is in well, trouble. This is, well, he's not my boy. I, 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 this is shocking. A little breaking news this afternoon. Palms are a little greasy. <laughs> well, there's an attempt. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, great to see you, Ben. Great to have everybody with us here on this Tuesday. What a beautiful day. It's going to get hot here over the next several days. Uh, Canes with a big win last night. Game one of their series, as expected. It was a uh, game when I, I kind of remembered it was on. <laughs> and so I flipped it on, uh, you know, Bally's. Bally Sports. Yeah, yeah. I'm part of the family. Uh, you know, I'm like a distant cousin. Okay. So I, I, can't, right. I can't, you know, I, I'll talk good about Bally's. I've done a little work for the parent company here okay. recently, so I'm, I'm cool with Bally's. And so um, the, as soon as I turned it on, I mean, Ben, with like two minutes after I turned the game on. Nashville. Nashville scores. So that one's on me, boys and girls. But then the Canes came back, and I knew they were going to win it after they scored just a, a moment later. It's not an interesting series. I told you it's going to be a sweep, and I still yeah, believe it's going to be a sweep. Yeah, you know, I just I don't think this Nashville team's good enough to hang with Carolina, if they're playing well, I mean... But in a normal year, they don't belong in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. That's Wouldn't true. even sniff anywhere close to no, the playoffs. you're right. right. You're absolutely right. And and the other thing is this, Ben. Um, we're, like I so we're going to talk to Alec Campbell. He's the pregame, intermission, and postgame host on the radio network, producer of uh, the uh, Adam Gold Show. We're going to talk to him later in the program about playoff hockey and the, the Canes taking a 1-0 series lead. You know, in the years I, I worked in Raleigh and I would go to some of the playoff games, because this is really kind of the best time of year to go to the games because the intensity is high. I mean, playoff hockey is fabulous. NHL playoffs, uh, world's better than the NBA playoffs as a whole. Stim- oh, yeah, I don't, think there's a, I don't think there's an argument there. Well, because every game is intense. The NBA things don't, even now in the playoffs in the NBA, things don't pick up to... You know, yeah. late in the conference final. You get good matchups in the first round. This yeah, is not absolutely. a good example, but there's right. a lot of great matchups in the first round. NBA, not so much. We're talking Hornets, Indiana playing in a play-in tournament tonight. I mean, it's, that's not premier basketball there, even though I love the Hornets. Bugs are going to get swatted tonight, right? They kind of blew it. I don't know. Sunday. Indiana's banged up. Are they? Okay. Really banged up. Well, bad. we'll have a preview for us coming up. Uh, but but here's my, my thing with this, and I mean – that's a great arena to go to during a hockey playoff game because it is loud. And even though it was kind of at half capacity last night, I thought it was just just hearing fans again. Oh yeah, and the richness of of the audio of of hearing fans when the when the you know the 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 uh, lamp was lit. In fact, when there was a Carolina Hurricanes goal, woo! You heard woo! <sighs> well, you heard all that. Yeah, you heard all of that. And that was good to hear again. All right. Uh, Boy, this is some breaking news. Can we cue the music back up here again? The uh, the, the 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 police blotter music. So, ooh, I mean, this is something. ACCSports.com reporting a uh, report. Uh, they've in, been on it today. They've, detail, they've had their hands full. Yeah, uh, this was actually originally broken by uh, a reporter named Jason Riley, but. Uh, this is amazing stuff right here. Dino Gaudio, who coached Wake Forest after the death of Skip Prosser, actually had him number one in the country at one point. Wake Forest number one in a sport? Yeah. No, I mean, look, Skip Prosser had that thing rolling, and then when he unfortunately died, yeah. Dino Gaudio took over, and Dino had him number one in the land. Before my time. Well before it. And, you know, obviously it went way well downhill from there. But... Uh, Dino Gaudio would, went worked on TV, and he was okay on television. He wasn't really great, but he was okay. And then after uh, a couple of years doing that, 
he went back into coaching and, and was with Chris Mack, who's another one of the disciples of uh, Skip Prosser. You know, that Xavier connection among those guys. So he, he joined Chris Mack's staff at Louisville when he got the job at Louisville. Well, Gino Gaudio has been charged federally today with trying to extort Yikes. money from the University of Louisville. Let me repeat that. Dino Gaudio is facing federal extortion charges from the University of Louisville. Absolutely horrendous. Apparently, he threatened to go to the media to re- to talk about recruiting violations or alleged recruiting violations. And Gaudio apparently wanted 17 months of salary which may have been, I guess, the term on his contract. I'm not sure. But anyway, he wanted 17 months of salary not to report the violations. Uh, Gaudio and Luke Murray did not have their contracts renewed after the season. You know, Louisville kind of had a, a a whimper into the basketball season. And Chris Mack, I guess. underwhelming. Chris Mack wanted to, you know, feeling some heat, made some changes. Uh, Murray was able to get onto the staff at uh, UConn with Danny Hurley. Uh, and I guess Gaudio was still trying to, you know, find his way somewhere. Uh, but I guess his his golden parachute was, I'll just extort money out of the university. God, that just doesn't seem very smart. <laughs> Come on, man. So, yeah, uh, Dino Gaudio. Face it's a prison time, one would suspect. Uh, but certainly, when the feds are involved and you've been charged federally with extortion, that ain't good. God, that is just, that's shocking to me. That really is stunning to me. All right, so there you go. That that was the reason your song selection was so superb in the beginning. And uh, it's so apropos now. So uh, we're also going to hear a little bit later on from Cliff Godwin today. It'll be our uh, penultimate show of the week. Uh, tomorrow, Brian Mull, and then you know anything else going on, we'll preview the series because baseball is going to start Thursday, and they'll have afternoon games with the doubleheader uh, at USF and then Friday, a uh, 3 o'clock game. I, and, uh, ooh, okay, and uh, a little bit of uh, breaking news here. Well, sort of. Uh, Jake Verity picked up by the Ravens. Got a steep competition there with Justin Tucker. That's true. But, hey, good for Jake Verity. Yeah. Get a shot. Get into camp. Look, a lot of guys that kick don't get. And, look, I'll say this about Jake Verity. Fabulous kicker. Not a great year. You know. Yeah, a little little bit of a downer year. Had some, and I don't know if he's just putting a lot of pressure on himself. or, But, I mean, you know, Mike Houston knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And he, he said the way that the, the ball comes off of the leg of Verity is is like a pro. Yeah. And so I mean, look, good for him. Get in somewhere, get a chance. You don't know. Hey, the guy Ku for the uh or Ko, however you say his name for the Falcons, he's a Pro Bowl kicker. Yeah. And he had to shuffle through five different teams and look terrible to start his career. So you it's, never know. It's just the career of a kicker how it goes. It just depends on how it goes. And um and we will see. So it's he and Tucker, who himself is a Pro Bowl. Wow. Yeah. So that's tough competition that right there. One of the say, greatest. He's really good. He's really good. Guy can bomb 70 yarders. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm looking through. I mean, okay. I mean, he's unreal. He rarely misses. Tucker had a streak this year, I think, before he, he missed. Yeah. That dated back to last year. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. So it's, um, you know, tough assignment for Verity, but he might also be able to pick up a few things from, let's face it, one of the best in the game. Yeah. Just yeah. enjoy the opportunity. That's what you got. Learn do. as much as possible. Best of luck to Jake Verity uh, there. Uh, so uh, that's kind of where we are. I, I know the ACC tournament has made the announcement that they're going to allow full capacity today. Uh, it was announced uh, yesterday by uh, Ryan Robinson uh, that uh, I guess they're they're looking at doubling the attendance or. Uh, thousand more roughly just make it for the ncaa i don't know why they but i mean it's the ncaa and they don't want to get sued and the problem is this it's easy for the acc to make that decision in charlotte involving a conference tournament where yes some people may show up but you're probably not going to have a packed house yeah you know when you're dealing with the ncaa you're dealing with they're going to be 16 different sites multiple states 
Now, the vast majority of the states, places like Florida and in the southeast and Texas and North Carolina, obviously, have kind of opened things back up. But, you know, what are, Indiana, I don't know if, if that's the greatest example with Notre Dame up there, but I think Indiana's kind of opened things back up, but they have put kind of capacity limits on things outdoors. The California teams are probably, if they're any hosting, are not going to allow a full house. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, that in the NCAA's defense, and it seemed, I know I get blamed a lot for being a. They've had a rough stretch here a, recently. A defender of the NCAA, but I mean, when you start to sit here and think through things logically, it makes sense that they've got, I mean, 50% is probably the, the threat, that, that's the highest threshold for the least for the most restrictive place, in you know, other words. I really you thought... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's, that's the most that the strictest place will allow. Yeah. So just do it. You know, it's not great. Nobody likes it. But at least then you're not... The NCAA is not in the business, and never has been, because it's not a strong suit of case by case. It's it's a blanket. It's all or nothing. It is not a... All right. They, they just don't have the ability to pivot and handle things case by case. They rarely ever do. Yeah. And that's why it is... There's too many moving parts. I mean... Well, there is. And they're I mean, holding that, certain people to standards that other guys are not being held to when it comes to capacity and everything. You can't get in that business. Exactly. You just... And I mean, it, now, you could wash your hands with it and say, we're going to follow whatever state guidance is, but it, that's not the NCAA style. And, there, and look, the NCAA... And I don't know if this has changed, but 15 years ago, everybody that worked in that office had a law degree. If you worked in the office in Indianapolis, either you were a practicing lawyer at some point or you had a degree to be a lawyer. They don't want to get sued. That's, that's the, that is the NCAA. They don't want litigation. They don't want to go to court. Look at their history. Look no further than up the road in Chapel Hill and, and <laughs> hiring the high-dollar lawyers. Yeah. They don't want to get involved in anything in the courts. And that's why you, you threaten to go to court on the NCAA on some of this stuff, and this is where schools have gotten hip to this. That's why you don't have as many people going on probation, probation that probably should uh, like you did 15, 20, 25 years ago. Now, we'll ask this. Sure. If and this was basketball or football, do you think they might put a little bit more effort into well, it or is it still one, kind of the same situation? One, they don't control the football postseason the bowls and, gotcha. and and the stuff with the uh, playoff is all out of their control you know they they had uh i don't know if you caught any of the fcs game on sam sunday houston. sam houston yep. state South Dakota. it looked like there were a lot of people in that yeah in, 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 but that was in texas and it, you know, it's all wide open in texas uh basketball well you saw what they did this year with basketball they i mean that was the, the big thing there is that's a tv show yeah Again, they weren't going to pack out arenas because they, they didn't want to get sued. I think what they're looking at is they've picked they, they've looked at the 20 different sites, uh, potential sites that will be hosting. Okay, what is the strictest guideline? Which state is that, and what are they allowing? Get rid of them. Well, you can't do that. Again, it's yeah. it's all it's got I mean, it's got to be uniform with the NCAA. It's I'm saying I agree with it. I mean, it's a big organization with a lot of people making a lot of money. You ought to be able to pivot and just say, hey, for the regionals and the super regionals, we're going to follow guidelines locally. But in fairness, when all this was being decided, North Carolina wasn't open yet. I mean, hell, Governor Wimpy wanted to keep this thing shut down to July. He got busted on that last Thursday down at Wilmington. And when that started to leak out and make news, and his buddies up in the Triangle media couldn't cover for him any longer, he ran out and did that 1.30 press conference last Friday that said, oh, we're opening everything up because he's a big fan of sports. But And that's why he did it. Because he was he, he played his hand. He was going to keep everything shut. He, word had not gotten to him at that point last Thursday about the CDC saying, Katie, bar the door. You don't have to wear masks if you're fully vaccinated. And the NCAA didn't know that at the time. They're making this, again, I said I agree with it, but that's the rationale behind it. I'm just here so I won't get fined. They don't want to get sued. In a way, if you change that around, they don't want to get sued. That's I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. They don't want to get sued. Uh, really nice day today. Uh, 
dew point's pretty low, so it's been comfortable out there. Uh, looking at a low tonight of 54 degrees, sun and cloud mix tomorrow, and a high of uh, 84. 88 on Thursday as the uh, sunshine will continue to shine brightly. 85 Friday. And then uh, we start to really warm up into the weekend. 81 currently with some clouds uh, out at the airport. So that's um, kind of the, the the sports news roundup here. Cliff Godwin spoke to the media today. You ready to run through that? We'll do that next week. Since it's a short week, little bow, little bow time giveaway. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, we'll do caller uh five today. I want to do caller five today. Give some people a chance to get in there at 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. If you are caller five, you will be the winner of a Bojangles gift card, and we will uh, potentially talk to you next. We will hear from Cliff Godwin next on The Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. I can't wait. On your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. Why does a hand sanitizer smell like dog food? That, oh, yikes! I know it's killing you in there. I know oh no, this is not good. This is not. A, I might germaphobia. Might start to hyperventilate because I'm also like smell sensitive. Don't like bad smells. I've never. I can't cope. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, but I really like get the heebie-jeebies. Like my wife was put something on Facebook. You know, with kids when you were little, you played in the dirt in the field. The kids got like dirt in their crease of their neck and their elbow. Uh huh. See, automatically my senses kicked in. She used some term, some down east hillbilly term I'd never heard in my life to call it what it was. I just thought it was dirt in these kids. You got the critter jitters. Something like that. And I just, I that drove me crazy. They said if I got dirt like that, I wiped it off immediately because I just didn't want to appear dirty. And then, like, I, in my mind, the kids that kept it and wouldn't wipe it off when we were playing, they smelled like dirt. I didn't like the smell of dirt. I, I got, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I mean, just this, this, this smell is nauseating. I, I, how do you deal with it? What happened? Usually it's like some good sanitizer, but that's, I got to go get, oh, enough of my, uh, issues uh congratulations to chris who is uh our winner from grimesland he was caller five he risked it for the biscuit and uh, wins the bojangles gift card uh chris congratulations thank you thank you for listening uh and you get a little well thanks for calling in so this is your moment to shine anything you want to you want to put out there anything you want to say uh do you have a question Um, for me do you have a question for ben byram he's a guy it's kind of a guy around town Long as it's not profane, I think you're in the clear here. So what do you, what's on your okay. mind? Yeah. Um, how many games do you think ECU baseball would have to win out to host a super regional? A super regional? Yeah. Okay. It's a good question. I think they have to and look, I'm no expert on the RPI. I understand the RPI is gonna be a factor, but maybe in this weird year not the ultimate factor. Uh and, and I mean, I I've said this all along. Look, ECU wasn't the only guy that brought back stud players every program in the country so the really good programs in the sec and the big uh big 12 pack 12 i mean the really good programs we're bringing really good players back and experienced players back and so i mean you know ecu wasn't alone in that boat and you know the decision by the american to not play the midweek game once conference started has really hurt the team from an rpi perspective thus that hurts ECU as they're playing down the stretch. I think they have to win the conference to during the regular season just to be in the conversation. Now, if they don't, they might have a chance if they came back and won the conference tournament. Right. But, uh, you know, I, you got to win one or the other. And, I mean, they can't come up and, you know, lose the regular season in, in, in flame-out fashion. You know, in other words, two-lane sweeps, ECU goes two and two or one and three. I don't think it's going to happen. 
but but you get what I'm saying there. In other words, I think if you finish oh, yeah. strong, and I think you got to make. I mean, it's almost like Tulane making the tournament. Tulane could finish second, but Tulane's going to have to have a deep run in Clearwater next week, in my opinion, to to get in as a three seed, even somewhere. Uh, for ECU to to even harbor a hope of hosting a super regional, it's just one man's opinion. Um, I, I think they got to have a deep run. I got to win the thing in the regular season. That puts them in a great spot, and then they've got to. They've got to go, and they've got to have a deep run. You can't be two and out. Uh, you really right. probably can't even play just three games and be out. You know, I, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And I think the super regional is the only way you really get in where you're not going to have an impossibly difficult regional. I'm not saying ECU wouldn't win a regional at Clark Leclerc. They would would be the favorite as presumably a hosting top seed. But I mean, you're talking about some good teams being sent here, some teams that are, you know, if you believe what's being projected. So I, I would say as many as if you win all the rest of them, you have a great shot to host. I, and I almost think that's what it may take. I, you know, I, a deep, you win the regular season and a deep run into the postseason. I think puts you in the conversation. You win both championships. You ought to be hosting a super regional. And look, let's face okay. it. That's why that stadium was built. The host super, not only oh, to host yeah. regionals, but it was, it was built. So easy. You could host the super regional there. And this this might be the year to do it. So we'll see. Awesome. I don't awesome. know if it's a number, but I just I, you you got to finish strong. And and it's a tired baseball team right now. We'll, we'll hear some comments from Cliff Godwin here in a second. So, hey, thanks a lot. Uh, congratulations right, to you. you. Yep. Uh, let's uh, do our pirate report, shall we? And now Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety four three. The game. I'm talking about Bojangles. I had a kale salad today. How do you think I'm feeling right now? My mouth is watering. I, I, I got to Ben. I've got to. I, I might have to hit Bojangles here on the way. I'm, I'm just, I'm starving. That kale salad wasn't hitting on it. You know, the Pirates, again, you're looking at a team that's a little uh, little tired right now. Cliff Godwin has said as much. That was my fear coming into this whole thing, was could East Carolina, I mean, four games. And look, they're in a pennant, you know, you're playing for a conference championship. We'll call it a pennant race to be cute. But, I mean, they're, they're playing for first place right now, right? And in order to, to do that, you, you can't just – it's not like they're coasting to a conference championship here. Tulane still can win this thing, and you're on the road. You just don't know what's going to happen. But as you'll hear from Cliff Godwin here in a few minutes, you know, if the Pirates take care of themselves, worry about themselves, then he feels really good about where this team is right now. And one thing we did learn in some comments today, that Josh Moylan, uh, Moylan is a little banged up a little bit of a tweaked hamstring uh that was some new news shared today apparently that happened in uh day one of the series at cincinnati but uh you know this weekend can't go and have can't go and lay an egg and look i really think in 2019 that's what cost ecu hosting a super regional that year they went into the conference tournament down in Clearwater and didn't play great. Lost early, couldn't get out of the, and, and just didn't finish the year strong. Uh, here's Coach Godwood talking about what the uh, next couple of days are like uh, as far as uh, preparation ahead of the regular season series finale against USF. Going in this week, we're, we're half game in first place and, you know, we control our own destiny. That's all you can ask for going into the last weekend and, of course, we'll need to play well down at South Florida to be able to hold on to this thing. So uh, we've taken the past two days pretty much off uh, that guys have lifted weights, but they're, they were cash. So we won't practice again as a team until we get on the <clears throat> plane and head down to South Florida. We'll practice at South Florida tomorrow night. Cliff Godwin on uh, how grueling these game weekends, four game weekends have been. No, it's a lot different, and uh, trying to maneuver through it. I tell you what, when we play one game in the conference tournament, it's going to feel like we're at recess, I can tell you that, because these four-game weekends, and it's worn on everybody as the season keeps going on. And the last couple, it just seems like you're out there for 20 hours in one day when you're playing that doubleheader. And 
look, and, and everybody's trying to win, but when you're you're fighting for first place, I think there's more stress in it than than other teams and what Tulane and us are having to go through. Uh, of course, everybody's trying to beat us, but at the same time, it's just every pitch is the difference between winning and losing a game, and all the games were close at Cincinnati. Uh, playing a team eight times, able to win seven out of eight is pretty pretty good. Um, I don't care if you're playing a high school team. It's just tough to beat a team that many times. And Cincinnati's not bad. Um, they're well coached and they're very good offensively. And I think they got really good starting pitching. So, but you know, we're just getting ready for this weekend and and uh, try to get our guys as fresh as possible and get ready to go for South Florida. Uh, Coach Godwin asked about Cooch Maynard out of the pen, and that's where he kind of revealed the Josh Moylan uh, injury. Uh, first off, uh, Cooch pitched really well at the bullpen on Friday for two innings, and then for whatever reason kind of lost his command the first two batters. We went to um, another guy after that. Um, Sunday, his stuff's a lot better. He got a guy 2-2 who's a senior. I think he's a senior. He's an older guy. He's sitting in the nine hole, I think. But – eight home runs and he threw a two, two fastball right down the middle and the guy hit it out, uh, which he didn't execute that pitch. But the, the thing that bothered me the most and Cooch and I talked about this was he walked the next guy. That's just not like him. Um, but he played first base force as well. Um, you know, Mullen um, tweaked his hamstring. I don't know if you guys knew that. Obviously he was kind of, <laughs> uh, laboring into second base on that double when he knocked in two guys on Friday. I really didn't think he'd be able to go Saturday. And Zach Womack did a tremendous job with him. And he said, look, I can run 80%. I said, well, you're not fast anyway, so we'll just DH you. And uh, if you get in a double play situation, hit the ball in the air. Mm -hmm. um, and he did a great job. I mean, he had some really good at-bats for Saturday and Sunday. So hopefully he feels better and has an option to play first base. He actually tweaked it, stretching at first base. Um so that's the way he kind of tweaked his hamstring. And then a uh, final cut for this batch of uh, our Pirate Report today, uh, the priority to win the regular season. Uh, we're playing for a regular season title. We're going to play for a regular season title, and then we'll figure out Tuesday when it gets here. Uh, we got enough guys that even if we have to bullpen it on Tuesday, then we can bullpen it on Tuesday. So um, we're just going to worry about taking it game by game and We've put ourselves in a good situation, but that's why I haven't even looked at the conference tournament because right now the conference tournament don't matter. We, we're we're going to play in the conference tournament, but we're going to need to worry about South Florida right now. We're going to talk about uh, last night's uh, win for the Canes with Alec Campbell from the Canes Radio Network and the Adam Gold Show coming up in just a little bit. But right now, Ben Byron's going to uh, update you on what's going on, including another local baseball team coming so close to uh, their World Series, but coming up short. Ben? Ben Byram here for your 94 through the game sports update. We start with news from Pirate Football's former kicker and EC's all-time points leader Jake Verity has signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Baltimore Ravens. Elsewhere in college football, Arkansas has agreed to restart head coach Sam Pittman's contract sign him to a five-year deal worth $15 million through 2026. The NFL, the Carolina Panthers are in discussions to hold joint preseason practices with the Indianapolis Colts. Washington football team grants permission for starting guard Morgan Moses to seek a trade. And the New England Patriots re-signed quarterback Brian Hoyer to a one-year deal. For Major League Baseball, Pirate Baseball alum Alec Burleson has showed out in the St. Louis Cardinals single-A development squad. Peoria Chiefs has been called up to the double-A ball to play for the Springfield Cardinals. For college baseball, the ACC tournament said to be held in Charlotte has changed their health and safety guidelines and will allow full capacity. For college basketball, interest in development out of Raleigh has big as big Manny Bates is not expected to return to NC State. There are two different reports on why Bates is not fond of the idea of returning. One is that he didn't like the way State and head coach Kevin Keats handled the NBA draft process. The other was the reality of the transfer portal. From the NBA, the Charlotte Hornets start their postseason run as they have a play-in game against the Indiana Pacers set to tip off at 6.30. The injury report for that game is the Pacers guard Karis LeVert out to do the league's health and safety protocols. While DeMontis Sabanis and Malcolm Brog Brogdon are questionable due to lower, lower body injury. For the Hornets, former All-Star Gordon Hayward is out to a foot spring, along with Cody Martin. The current Vegas odds have the Hornets as the one-and-a-half-point dogs in that matchup. Elsewhere in the NBA, Phoenix Suns head coach Monty Williams was voted by the National Basketball Coaches Association as Coach of the Year. After leading the Suns to a 51-21 record, good enough for the second seed in the West. Other coaches to receive votes include the Knicks' Tom Thibodeau, Hawks' Nate McMillan, and Denver's Michael Malone. Wrapping up for the sport of boxing, one of the most highly anticipated matchups of the summer between heavyweights Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua 
has been put on hold as the arbitration court ruled in favor of former champ Deontay Wilder to receive a rematch instead. The court is making it mandatory for Wilder Fury to have a trilogy bout in September, one month after the scheduled bout between Joshua and Fury. It's going to do it for your 94th the Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Barham. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. What? You want more? All right. On your flagship home of Pirate Basketball. 94.3 The Game at 94.3thegame.com. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Check out the show most anytime online. Uh, our podcast is put up uh, daily, 943thegame.com. You can also head online to check out the uh, Cliff Godwin weekly podcast inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin. Uh, that podcast is available uh, also on 943thegame.com most uh, Monday mornings, usually around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, somewhere in there. Uh, we're also on uh, Spotify. We're also on Google. We're on Apple and a bunch of other apparatus that uh, you can download your podcast. I had somebody at the beach uh, tell me they, they pick up the podcast this past week. Uh, we uh, appreciate that. So if you missed a, a, a moment of the magic or want to relive the glory that is the Patrick Johnson Show, check out our podcast posted usually uh, after the program uh, here on uh, 943thegame.com and all, uh, all the other fabulous places you download your podcast. Turn to the phone lines now. Alec Campbell, Carolina Hurricane Radio Network host. And uh, he is the uh, producer, and I say co-host, of the uh, Adam Gold Show. Heard uh, here on 94.3 The Game, noon until 3 uh, every uh, weekday. Alec, great to talk to you. Thanks for uh, doing this uh, with us here. It's great to kind of get you on the air. I, I, you need to be on the air more, I say. I say more Alec Campbell on the airwaves. That's what I say. Well, I appreciate that, man. Be sure to tell my boss. I'd appreciate that too. <laughs> I, I have no sway, but I—that's just—I'm one man. Uh, all right, so game one, Canes over the Predators. Uh, give me your impressions. Uh, I mean, I overall, I thought it was just a really hard-fought, just solid playoff win for Carolina last night. I mean, you know, the first period didn't start off great. I don't think for really either team. I thought it was kind of a uh, kind of a sloppy period, although equally sloppy. So that made it, I guess, competitive. Um, and maybe that's due to <clears throat> the off time that they had. Maybe that's due to some of the guys that they had coming back from injury because, as you probably know, the Hurricanes have dealt with injury after injury after injury this season. And so who knows what that was from. Maybe there was some, you know, first tee jitters, as they say in uh, golf parlance. Um, but you know, I thought they built the game from there. I thought in the second period really is when they started to kind of exert their dominance because, I mean, Carolina on paper is the better team here. They should win the series sure. on paper. They're the more highly skilled team here. And it was in the second period where I thought they, they kind of started to exert their dominance, and they did so through the third period as well. We kind of knew that Nashville was going to try to come out and sort of bother the Hurricanes, be sort of pests. I think that's really the only thing that Nashville really has going for them is to try to get under Carolina's skin. And I thought Carolina answered the bell in that regard. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying Carolina was overly physical in the game. I thought they were, but really the, the thing for me is, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily have to match that per se. They just have to withstand it and That's kind cool. of eschew these Nashville pests, you know, like, you know, rhinoceros with, uh, with, with, with flies around them sort of, you know, and if they could just, take that mentality, not let them get under their skin and do what they do, then they're going to have a good chance. And I think that was on display last night. Alec Campbell, Carolina Hurricanes Radio Network. He's also the uh, producer of the Adam Gold Show. You hear that program uh, here on 94.3 The Game, weekdays, noon until 3. Uh, is a uh, statewide program, and uh, Alec is a big uh, part of uh, that. Crowd last night, uh, I guess they could have let 12 in. What was the official number? Did you ever get word of that? They say it was exactly 12,000. Okay. But it felt like it was a full house. Well, I was going to say. I mean, maybe that's yeah. due to the way they 
kind of seated everybody. The whole lower bowl essentially was full. Yeah. Um, the upper bowl, there were, you know, patches here and there, but I'll be honest with you, man, it felt like a, a pretty full house. And, you know, maybe we're all just saying that because we haven't been inside a full house for over a couple of years now. I mean, if you remember back, they played the playoffs in the bubble last year. So mm-hmm. it's been two seasons since we've seen the Hurricanes in a playoff game at PNC Arena. And it's been, you know, over a year since any of us have seen even a regular season game at PNC Arena. And the Canes, even in the regular season last year, were getting some pretty big crowds. I mean, we're talking, you know, 13,000, 14,000 fans a game. So, I mean, it felt like a playoff atmosphere. It felt like a full house. It looked like a full house from where I was sitting up on the fifth floor of the press box. Yeah. Um, and it was it was good time and fun times in there last night. The crowd was great. No, fantastic. And, and I, I can only imagine what it was like to be in the building uh, you know, it certainly translated through the broadcast, and uh, I just I thought it was fabulous that we had uh, the, uh, the the fans back in. And I mean, you know, every everybody likes to say their team they root for in certain name here has the greatest fans or the loudest fans. Or, but regardless, that building can get loud, especially in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, the the thing about it is, I think there is a, with everything now a lot of pent up, you know, ex- excitement. People want to get out and. And get back uh, into to you know whatever it is music, games, events. People just want to get out and, and about and go to things now. But uh, that that building, uh, I really thought at times the the team fed off of that really well last night. Did you do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that every athlete likes to play in atmospheres like that. I mean, I don't think there's anything, any doubt about that. I, I think it's overstated to a degree. I think we, we, we try to pretend like we have a bigger role in the winning and the losing than we do. I mean, because if it were that easy and if they fed off it that much, then all we would ever have to do is show up and scream really loud and the team would be successful all the time. But <laughs> that's not always the case. Right. And so, yeah, I think, I think they like the energy. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any athlete that dislikes it or would prefer it the other way. But in terms of the actual tangible effect it has on the play, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it, it has no effect. I mean, maybe in the playoffs when the crowd is hyping you up like that, maybe – you know, you run into the corner and dig out a puck that maybe you otherwise wouldn't, or you take a hit somewhere where you otherwise wouldn't, and maybe it's those small details that end up making a big difference. But, I mean, I'd like to think that most nights professional athletes come out and they give their best effort um, every time they step on the ice or on the field or court or whatever well, it is. You know, so it's, it's you, know, you don't suddenly just become a better team or a better player just because the atmosphere yeah. is better, but it's way better to have it that way, as we've seen over the past year. I mean, listen, I think there have, there have been a lot of positives to come from this last year that we've spent in these unprecedented times, hashtag, um, where, you know, like, we'll probably be more willing to deal with the parking and the lines at the concession stands if it means that we get to hang out in these really cool atmospheres for sporting events because it definitely beats what we've been dealing with over the past year and the pumped up and pumped in noise and applause and all that stuff. I mean, even the players and the coaches will tell you it feels kind of artificial. So, yeah, yeah they fed off it, and it was a cool atmosphere. I'll say this. Uh, Alec Campbell with us uh, here. Great to have him on. Covers the Canes for 99.9 The Fan in uh, Raleigh, part of the Canes uh, radio network broadcast, Adam Gold Show statewide. Uh, this team, to me, and I mean, look, you say we expect you know professional athletes to – give their all. I mean, they're, we're keeping score here. They're getting paid good money to do this. It's not always the case. Yeah. And, but the one hallmark I kind of take it away from this season, Alec, is this team seemingly has played hard every game. And you just, you, you, you know, we don't always get that, but it just seems like this team is at least, yeah. even in the games they lost and they didn't play particularly well from an effort standpoint, have always seemed to, to put a, a good foot forward. Uh, first, do you agree with that? And if so, why, why do you feel like that's the case? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there have been any nights this year where we can really question their effort. And 
you know, effort is sort of relative in a way, too. That's the thing. I mean, these guys are human beings. They're professionals just like the rest of us where we're not always feeling our best when we come to work, whether that's mentally or physically. But that doesn't mean that they're not giving 100%. I mean, my 100% today might be different than my 100% tomorrow. So, and, you know, and, and tomorrow's 100% might not be good enough to win a game. So I, I don't, and, you know, I, I also think that it's very difficult to determine that by watching games, you know, through a television. I mean, I think there are select nights in any sport where you can look down and, I mean, we can, we can say, yeah, they just didn't have it tonight. Um, or there are some times, I think, where it's super blatant where you're like, yeah, this team just, they just didn't, they didn't care tonight mm-hmm. yeah um but for the most part i think that's really hard to determine just from and, and also i think it's sort of an indictment on uh you know I, I think it's unfair to the players i mean they're the really the only ones that'll ever know uh what kind of effort they're giving but you know pro sports are so volatile especially pro sports yeah. where a lot of these guys the, the large majority of them are playing for the right to continue making money playing that sport. It's not, you know, they're not, you know, these games are not littered with the high dollar guys. Like we think of, like we think of all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whether it's putting stuff on tape for, you know, another team next season or trying to solidify your next contract with the team or whatever, I mean, they really don't have much room to not give maximum effort as often as they possibly can. So, you know, I, 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 and, but I think that, that Rod Brindamore has instilled a culture in that locker room where the guys believe in what they're doing. And I think that's ultimately the biggest thing that a coach can do. And Rod has pedigree. He's got pelts on the wall. You know, his voice <laughs> resonates. Yeah. He's, he's been there as a player. And I think that he, he does what he says he's going to do. He positively reinforces and incentivizes his guys. To the point where, you know, they believe that their work is worth something. That, you know, guys are going to, they may not be treated equally, but they're always going to be treated fairly. And, you know, even the, 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 the high dollar, high price guys, you know, have to suffer some consequences here or there. And I think those kinds of things resonate up and down the, the roster. And the one thing I think we have to remember about Rod Brindamore mm-hmm. is Rod Brindamore was a great player. And he is a Hall of Famer, or going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, but Rod Brindamore does not view himself that way. Rod Brindamore views himself as a workhorse, right, as yeah. a guy who had to earn it every single day. I mean, the, the legends of Rod Brindamore in the weight room and the workouts, I mean, he still does them today. I mean, he's, he beats a lot of these guys in their <laughs> preseason fitness tests and things like that, because that's the kind of maniacal worker he was. Right. And... He, you know, he leads by example in that way. So Rod Brindamore believes in the work ethic, you know, and, and he, he is a walking example of where that work ethic alongside talent can get you. We've got uh, Alec Campbell with this Canes Radio Network. Uh, he's on the line with us here. Uh, ben Byram, who you talked to a, a little earlier, uh, our great producer here, uh, has been uh, kind of minding the, uh, the shop as far as social media goes today. And he put this up about an hour uh, and 15 minutes ago. And uh, that is, in Canada, they're not going to allow fans into the arena. I I do want to get into the game and more on this team, but, I mean, just to to revert back to that for a second, uh, you know, to me, that's kind of what we were talking about a few minutes ago, the the atmosphere. And I think the ability, you know, if people – this is the best time of year to watch hockey, in my opinion. Um, You know, hot take there, right? But, you know, as far as (laughs) – when you have that atmosphere like you had in Raleigh last night, that really, uh, I think, is in- inviting to people who would, you know, maybe pick this up casually and start to watch this and, and want to watch some sports and want to watch the playoffs. You're going to contrast that with these, these sort of cold, sterile environments in Canada. Um, boy, mm-hmm. that, that's what a contrast that's going to be, right? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know – how they're going to do this, but yeah, I mean, if that, if it comes to that, where, you know, you end up having to go up there and play a Canadian team at some point, and you're coming from PNC arena, which 
is a really great atmosphere to watch hockey when the team is good and they're in the playoffs and you go up there and play in front of nobody again. I mean, that's just going to be, it's going to be weird, I guess. So, but you know, in, in, in those cases, kind of like I was alluding to earlier, you know, I, I love the way we talk about the atmospheres, but then, you know, we also talk, the players will tell us that once they get into a game, they don't hear or see us. So my question is always like, well, which one is it? I mean, does it matter that they're there or does it not matter? Yeah, I, I forgot this is there? I forgot this and, is a this is a, one of your pet peeves, the, the you know, momentum and all that. I forgot this is one of your pet well, peeves. Well, it, it's 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 not one of, it's, it's not really one of my pet peeves. My my pet peeves really are just sort of the the, the nebulous unprovable ways in which we analyze sports. And I think there are a lot of go-to things that we that we drum up in our head as being bigger deals than they are when in the end of the, and, and I think in the end, what we end up doing is we do a disservice to the talent and the actual things that happen yeah. on the ice. And, yeah. you know, these guys have spent their whole lives honing these crafts and they are super competitive, you know, uh, type a personalities that once they get out there and they drop the puck, I really do believe they block a lot of stuff out. I mean, I think that if you've if you've been if you played at any level in any sport, or you're you you have any you know level of focus to whatever you do, I mean, you do tend to block things out. And I think that whether there are people in the stands or whether they're not in the stands, I mean, again, you you are kind of who you are after a while. And I think that 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 team and those players show up regardless. Yeah. Um. Uh, real quick here, we appreciate your time. Some good stuff here today. Uh, so, uh, the Delkovich last night, the rookie, great performance. Uh, but there are three, you know, goals, and Ben really follows this stuff extremely closely. So he is, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's more of the, you know, minutia expert on on hockey than I am. Uh, but it, you know, it, it seems to me that you have three starting quality goalies. And as Ben is explaining it to me, the rotation is going to kind of continue throughout the playoffs. And they talked a little bit about this on the broadcast last night. And I, I found that interesting in that, you know, the old way when the Canes have made a deep run, you, you, you know, you're kind of riding a hot goalie. That apparently is not necessarily going to be the case here. I mean, it's going to be like they've done the regular season. You're going to have three guys that uh, are, are going to kind of rotate that assignment. Is, is, is that accurate? Well, I don't think it'll be three guys. I think James Reimer is probably the odd man out here unless things go catastrophically poorly for Alex Ndelkovich and Peter Morozik. But the good news is is that the Hurricanes have a lot of experience with this. I mean, there's been a lot of referencing back to the Archers, Herbe, Cam Ward days mm-hmm. back in the 05-06 season when Cam Ward took over as a rookie goaltender and ended up obviously winning them a cup in that season. Um, and then even we go back to the last few years here in Carolina, whether it was, you know, Cam Ward and Scott Darling or Peter Morozik and Curtis McElhaney, and now Peter Morozik and James Reimer for the last couple of years, and really this year more like uh, Peter Morozik and Alex Nedeljkovic. Um, so the Hurricanes kind of have a lot of experience with the rotating goalies. And I think if you look around the league, there aren't a ton of just bell cow 1A goaltenders that teams rely on, you know, night in and night out the way they used to. I think more and more it's kind of going towards this tandem system. Um, but if you told me that James Reimer had to play a playoff game, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I mean, one of the strengths that Reimer has is that he doesn't have to play every game. There are certain goaltenders that mm-hmm. prefer to get in the rhythm and play you know, a couple of games and then take one off and then play a couple more, however their rhythm is. But Reimer's a guy that I think can take a couple of days off and then come in in a spot start and be effective. Uh, But the fact of the matter is is that Alex Nedeljkovic has proven himself this year. He's been their best goaltender. Peter Morozik is uh, still in good favor with the coaching staff, and he kind of always has been their, their 1A goaltender if we were going to label them but i think the understated story of the season really you know has been their goaltending because we've gotten so accustomed in this market to you know average to below average goaltending but you look at the numbers for 
whether it's Ned or Mrazek or, the, you know, the two of them combined. And we're talking about, you know, better, way better than average goaltending. And we don't talk about them in that light the way we talk about some of the other, you know, singular great goaltenders around the league. So that's been a huge part for the Hurricanes this year, I think alongside their special teams. They've got two top five special teams units, yeah. which is the first time in franchise history they did that in the regular season. And for a team that, you know, at one point in the season was number two in the league in goal scoring, they kind of fell off when Tavo Teravainen went down. They finished the season 11th in the league in goals per game. And their five-on-five scoring kind of fell off a little bit. So they were really kept afloat for a long time by their power play and by their goaltending. And those are going to be two huge things in these playoffs. I expect to see, you know, Peter Morozik and Alex Nadelkovich to play. Maybe if one guy gets super hot, they ride a guy for a little bit. But I think we'll see both of those guys. Uh, you know, unless something goes really terribly, I don't think we'll see much of James Ryman. Carolina Hurricanes, Radio Network, uh, intermission, pregame and postgame host. Also, uh, Adam Gold, producer, Alec Campbell. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Did I do okay with the hockey? You know, I mean, that's not my bailiwick. Not bad, not bad. All right. I have no complaints. You're a busy man behind the scenes today, so I I, I couldn't rely on you like I do sometimes on other things. Sorry, I think you covered all fronts. This is not a real interesting series because I really think it's going to be a sweep for the Canes. There's not really... Well, as I said, I put it on last night, and, of course, the Predators score, so it was my fault they scored first. (laughs) And then, you know, the Canes came back instantly and scored. And, I mean, I kind of left it when it was 2-2, as I mentioned, and... Uh, I was I was really surprised that one five five you know to see that they went on to score three more goals, and what that tells me again is what I've read and what Alex has told me and what you've said today is this is not a terribly interesting series. But I, I think the cool thing about last night was the electricity. I mean, oh yeah, the fans were fabulous. Loudest house of the South. They don't call it, just say that for a reason. They say it for a reason. Let's put it that way. I was right. normal mouth there. No, you were. But that's okay. And look, can't say that during most East most NC State basketball. Yeah. So there we go. All right. Uh, thanks to Their Alec. boy's gone. Thanks to, thanks to Alec Campbell. Tough times there in uh, Raleigh right now. Huh? Good. Uh, thanks to Alec, Alec Campbell. Don't call him Alec. Alec Campbell for being with us. Uh, Brian Mould tomorrow will preview the PGA and a lot more. Patrick Johnson's show. Uh, ben and I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>